welcome back to the Educating All Learners Alliance podcast. I'm joined by Ida Eyes Chief Empowerment Officer, David Splink. And so we're really excited to have David on today because he has been recently named a CNN hero. And so just to give you insight into what that is, um, CNN heroes are categorized as everyday people doing extraordinary things um, to change the world. And so this is a recognition of his efforts to essentially empower students who learn differently through his work. So welcome, David. We're happy to have you on today. Thank you very much for having me here. It is, it is a pleasure to be here. I guess just to give us some insight into your role with eye to eye, what do you do to go about being the chief empowerment officer? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I, I feel honored to have the title Chief Empowerment Officer and I think grounding in my work today requires us to go back a little bit, in fact, maybe a lot. So 22 years ago when um, I was a 18 year old college student, I'm very proud and loud about my dyslexia and ADHD. Uh, I marched into a local school and asked um, shamelessly, uh, where are your students who learn differently? And with no background check or no particular plan, uh, this uh, group of amazing educators warmly welcomed me to room four, where a bunch of students who learn differently were sitting there. Uh, and they said, hey, here's a guy who learns like you. Uh, you want to listen to his story? And um, I was able to share my story then. That was really the beginning of Eye to Eye. And my work today is very similar to that. Uh, I get to invite others to find ways to share their often brave stories of learning differently as a way for us to all reimagine what schools can look like. And it's worth noting for those listening and may not know, um, one of those uh, students back 20 some odd years ago who came with me um, is one of the founders of um, EALA. So uh, it's kind of amazing to think about what does it take to be courageous? And I think that young people are often uh, the focal point where we can think about how to change our school systems. And then uh, that exercise of sharing our story not only changes our school systems, it changes ourselves and quite often puts us on a trajectory to find ourselves, in my case, uh, a chief empowerment officer. Yeah. Wait, so which ELA founding member was it? So Eric Tucker. Uh, oh, who, nice. <laughs> who remains a good friend. And, and, you know, I like to think of as a co-conspirator. Uh, <laughs> The two of us, uh, I think, found ourselves in this exercise of trying to change the lives of young people. It actually, they changed us as much as we changed them. And those teachers, uh, you know, who we were aspiring to be, um, I was an ed major at Brown, um, you know, I think also taught us very much about what can happen right in the school system. Um, when you invite the community in, and when you invite students to help be a part of the conversation, um, we can all make uh, better choices for how the teachers can be successful and the students themselves. Absolutely. No, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and for listeners, so Eric Tucker is the executive director and co-founder of Brooklyn Lab Charter Schools, which, like David said, is one of ELO's founding members. To get your insight, I mean, we'd, I'd love to hear what do you think are some of the next steps? What can we expect from education and how students with learning differences are served in years to come. I have thought a lot during this pandemic, as I think we all have, 
um, about the value of education in general. And of course, students with learning differences are something that I think about because it affects me personally. And what this moment has caused me to think about is there was a pandemic before the pandemic, right? Students who learn differently in particular were among those students who lived on the margins and who often by no fault of their own failed an education system. And I would also say by no fault of the teachers or administrators, um, the system itself uh, was built in a way that aimed for average and often did not invite people who learn differently to be part of the solution. So when the pandemic hit and the context changed, those students didn't start struggling. They were already struggling and they just started struggling in a new way. What I think is the opportunity and germane to the heart of your question in terms of the next steps in education for students with learning differences is we have a chance to listen to them. And I think we did a better job of that, to be honest, during the pandemic than we did before. And if we continue to listen to them, we talk a lot about proximity these days. Um, students who learn differently, uh, especially if you think about middle schoolers where they're just old enough to start to articulate how their brains work, they know what will work best for them. So when I think about the next step for education, we have an opportunity to listen to our students, help them become their own best self-advocates. And we, as adults, as educators, as champions for them, can help build environments around what they need to learn um, and how they can succeed best. So I, I am coming from this moment in time feeling actually optimistic um, because I think despite the challenges and the hardships that all of us has felt and certainly students on the margins struggled the most, we also have a chance to be better listeners and we're ready because for many of us, we watched kids right in front of our eyes, close, close at home um, in terms of when they could succeed and when they could, could um, struggle. So let's optimize for success. So it's worth thinking about in context, who are the students that are different students who are learning differently students. And we know that one in five students um, show up in our schools as students who learn differently, but we know that only one in 16 are actually identified as such. So there's a huge gap between the students who are getting the accommodations and the students who need the accommodations. And if we can create a school where essentially we're inviting all students to be able to ask for what they need and the teachers can respond with, yes, I can provide that. We can get past this gap um, where in between we know students are failing and then they overrepresent in the dropout rates, they overrepresent in our prison population, they overrepresent later on in um, not being able to participate in the workforce. So there's a huge opportunity to create an equitable education system so that every student can succeed and especially the one in five we know that's showing up and often not getting what they need. Yes, totally agree. There are a lot of good things on the horizon if we just listen to those who know what they're talking about like the students for example like you said that's I, awesome well i, I would add yeah. you know, we have a chance to rebuild environments environments are incredibly predictive for people's success um and so simple things like do we uh invite people to read with their ears along with their eyes as equal value um there's a choice that we can make that's an environmental choice and it's literally in the language we use and the options we give kids. Uh, that's a simple uh, accommodation that really takes nothing from anyone. Um, in fact, all students could succeed if just given that option. Or when we give students um, instruction, are we giving it in multiple ways, right? Do we give it verbally? Do we also give it written? Do we give people ample time to process that information before we're asking them to respond? These are little shifts that we've always known are best practices that can actually serve all kids and students who learn differently it's, it's an equity question. For them, it's a requirement in order to be on 
uh, even playing field with their peers. That's absolutely true. And it's interesting to even think of it on the level of, you know, it's common in schools to think of visual learners or auditory learners and think of it that way. But instead of, you know, it can really just be as simple as that. You know, some students learn better from seeing something, some from hearing something. So regardless of any other factors, why not just provide the materials in any form possible to serve students? Because you know, all students have learner variability, whether they have some additional type of disability or otherwise. So it can, yeah, for some things, it's just about making it simple. So that way students, you know, are best served. I like Gabrielle, that. I'm so glad you're the host of this podcast because I could just interview you. You're saying all the right things. I think that, <laughs> uh, folks who are listening can't see me smiling right now, but we're on Zoom and, and, Everything you just said, I wholeheartedly agree with. Well, thank you. <laughs> and so um, for listeners, in the show notes of this episode, I'll link to the CNN Hero announcement so you can watch the full video they did. It outlines a lot more information that we went over um, and tons more. It's a great video, I might say. And then, of course, I'll link to Eye to Eye's website for you to check out their work. But thanks so much for joining me, David. Yeah, you bet. You know, there's a metaphor. Maybe I'll just end on if we have time that I've been thinking a lot about in, in processing how we as people make choices that can either level the playing field or separate others. And I've been thinking a lot about buses, I think in part because one of the great joys that I always had you know, pre-pandemic was watching young people get on the bus getting ready to go to school. And obviously during the pandemic, for the most part, that wasn't something we got to see, at least not until more recently. Um, but buses in our in our history um, are, are troubling if you really think about how we've used them in society, right? If you go back far enough, buses were instruments of racism, right? We use them to literally separate people based on the color of their skin. Even in more recent times, buses were used as instruments of ableism. People were forced to ride different buses if you um, learned differently or had a special need. And then on the bright side, during the pandemic, some folks may know, buses were outfitted as Wi-Fi hotspots. They were driven to various communities uh, to make sure that when kids needed to get online to get their schooling, they could get it in an equitable way. A bus is a bus, right? We built a bus, we use them in a variety of ways. Schools are just buildings. We have a choice about what we build into them. Do we build equity? Do we build ableism? That's our choice. Um, and I think that we all have the opportunity to make great choices, starting with if we just share our story. And that's how we'll be able to learn best. 